Welcome back to our study of John's Gospel. I'm Ian, and this is the Sailor Time to Pause podcast from Plexus Salvation Army, an online church in the UK. Today, as we continue in chapter 3, we come to a rather unusual section which I'd never noticed before until chatting about what I might say in today's podcast to a friend. And what are good friends for if not to help us notice the unexpected in things we thought familiar? We were looking at John 3 verse 11 when she noticed that Jesus suddenly switched from using I and my to us and our for just that one verse. What a strange thing to do and what a very odd way to speak. John chapter 3. Jesus answered, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. There have been a whole host of possibilities raised at various times in attempt to explain this switch in his speech. Some have suggested that he meant to speak of both himself and John the Baptist, his forerunner, who preached the same doctrine of repentance, regeneration and internal sanctification, as well as outward reformation being necessary to enter the kingdom of heaven. Others have suggested that he was including his disciples, who he had called to preach the same truths that he was doing. Or perhaps he was including the prophets of the Old Testament and was claiming to stand in their lineage. Maybe he was even now proclaiming this brief sentence on behalf of the whole Trinity, the we being himself, the Father who was with him and never left him alone, and the Holy Spirit who was upon him and by whom he was anointed to preach these things. Yet all of these seem to require that there were others around him in some sense and to whom he could point or gesture to include them in his speech, which doesn't fit with the story. John was not there. We have no indication that the disciples were. And if the prophets had appeared alongside Jesus, such as they did on the Mount of Transfiguration, or if the Father and the Spirit had manifested as they did to Abraham at Mamre, then it would seem that John left out a remarkably important and startling detail from his record of this conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. So why might Jesus have suddenly started speaking ever so briefly in the plural, using we? Today I want to explore that switch in Jesus' speech to see what ideas it might open up for us. I will stop and breathe in your presence Just breathe Just breathe There is one remaining sense in which Jesus could have chosen to make this switch a grammatical use that was more common in his day than it is now, he may have used the plural pronoun of himself alone. He may have been using what's known as the plural majestatis, or the royal we. 
One of the most famous quotes from Queen Victoria supposedly came during dinner one evening at Windsor Castle. The story tells that an equerry had been encouraged to tell a joke to entertain Prince Albert and her, which he proceeded to do. However, the joke had, we're told, a spice of scandal and impropriety about it, which I think is code for saying that it was a rude joke. And once he had finished, whilst others laughed, the Queen was said to have said, rather po-facedly, we are not amused. This quote is frequently cited as perhaps the most famous example of the plural magistratis, the use of the plural pronoun we by a single person rather than using the more usual I, and something that's often done by the monarch or someone in high office. This usage still exists in English today, but only in very rare circumstances. We wouldn't expect the king to use it nowadays to say, we're off to take a bath now but it may still be used in very formal documents, such as granting commissions to military officers or appointing and accepting ambassadors. And he would do so because on those occasions, he's not speaking on his own behalf, but he's speaking as the monarch, as the physical embodiment of the nation-state. In technical terms, the words come from his body natural, but the authority comes from his body politic, and the pronoun we captures them both. So what might this reading mean for that brief sentence? Remember that this comment came about when Nicodemus said, in effect, this rebirth you're talking about may be possible, but I can't understand how it works. To which Jesus responds with his full authority as king, speaking as the embodiment of and on behalf of the whole kingdom of God. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. Suddenly, this opening comment of his response now makes sense, and I can see the evidence of it even in my own life. We speak of what we know, we testify to what we have seen, and yet our testimony seems to fall on deaf ears. This passage is now so much fuller than if Jesus were speaking simply just of himself and John the Baptist, or just himself and the prophets. He's speaking on behalf of me, along with every other citizen of the kingdom, from the newest convert up to and including himself, the eternal king. And as a consequence, he's not just addressing Nicodemus, or even just the Pharisees, but is addressing all of those who are not his subjects and have not pledged their allegiance to him. We may know the truth of Jesus' message, the radical change that we underwent when we entered the kingdom and pledged ourselves to Christ, the transformation so drastic it's as if we were reborn, yet this message is not understood when we tell it. And so we must go further than merely speaking the message. More is needed. We must demonstrate it and live it out. To be born again is no mere theoretical thing. It's something we've felt and something we've actually seen and so it's something that others should be able to see too. We can point to woman after woman, man after man who has been reborn by the power of the Spirit. We may not understand how the Spirit works but the effect of the Spirit on the lives of the born-again soul is there for all to see. It was not understood when the prophet spoke it nor when the Baptist spoke it, even when the king spoke it and it will not be understood from our lips either. The persuasive message of the gospel is not our words, but our actions. The Christian message is not one that can be told, but one that must be lived out. 